Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjathad and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. If this is the first time you're listening, let me give you the scoop. Me and Ben are a pair of automotive journalists, and we've got a lot of compact crossovers to talk to you about today, specifically luxury-oriented ones. So uh, luxurious, just the feeling oh. of silk between your fingers as you deftly maneuver down the highway. <laughs> Actually, one of these cars is 100% like that, and the other two are not. I'll start it off. I had a comparison between a, a up-and-comer and an established uh, dominator. Of the segment. Established Dominator, really? Yeah, what do you want me to call it? I don't know. First of all, reveal what it is. (laughs) Those two cars I'm talking about, the up-and-comer is the Volvo XC60, um, a new crossover from Volvo, uh, or sorry, a a completely new uh, and redesigned version of their XC60. Um, And the other car I had was an X3, a BMW X3, um, and a very interesting one at that. But I'll get to that in a second. Let me start with the Volvo. The Volvo is... Newer and a little bit more interesting, and by virtue of its unique powertrain, gets a lot of attention. What's ben, unique about it? Yeah, I was gonna. Thanks for right on cue, Ben. Um, it has a. It has all of the types of force induction you can think of. It has turbocharging. It has um, supercharging. It has uh, a Pentium uh, MMX boost button. It what has, about two big bottles of nitrous oxide? Just have that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's an option for that. If you really wanted to, you can get a plug-in version of this thing. Um, but I had the T6. That's the twin-charged version of the car. It makes 316 horsepower and 295 pound-feet of torque. And that engine really feels smooth, quiet, and powerful. Um, and it's a, it's a very good way to experience this vehicle. The things that are not good about this... Actually, let's, let's, keep, let's keep going with the powertrain. Powertrain's great. I love it. Um, very fuel efficient. It gets about 23 miles per gallon combined or is rated to get 23 miles per, per gallon combined, which isn't bad for a 4,000 pound, uh, crossover. Wait, and did it, also, it do, did it do that in real life? Yeah, absolutely. I had no problems getting that, those numbers. Um, the only, the only sad part about this is there are some unrefined elements to be, to, to be found throughout the, the driving experience. Um, particularly with the steering and handling, um, and the transmission. Sorry, the steering and the transmission. The handling's not so bad, but the steering is absolutely uh, that needs to be fixed ASAP. Um, what do you mean by fixed? Like, what's so bad about it? It is the lightest steering I have ever experienced. It feels like an arcade game. It feels like you know when you go to the you know when you go and you play Daytona USA and oh yeah, arcade? and you just spin the wheel like it over... is like that one hundred percent like no like there is no resistance in the steering wheel at all, and it doesn't quite spring back to center it's ridiculous Ben. it's almost laughable every time you the first moment you you start driving in it is is you don't you don't you just can't realize that a car can have this light of a steering feel um and unfortunately the other thing that needs to be fixed is the transmission sometimes it delivers some really harsh or jerky shifts which is a shame because the powertrain like i said the engine is really solid uh, and I quite like it, um, but the transmission lets it down a couple of times. So what do and you like about the car? You. Like, what's what's good about this 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 XC60? Well, let me go back. Let me go back. That light steering also shows up when you hit like a, when you start braking really hard or accelerating really hard, and that light feeling just like 
accentuates all of the worst things that you can experience. You know, when, when you, when you hit the brakes and the car kind of nosedives a little bit, you can, you can feel the front end. You expect the front end to kind of load up and be stiff and harsh, but that doesn't happen with, with the steering feel. It's still very light and it gets kind of jiggly. And, um, I, I can't imagine that being a, a desirable trait. I think they need to really go back to the, to this car and try to rearrange what those properties are with the steering. What do I like about this car? It is gorgeous. It's simply stunning. I love the way that it looks. Um, and I do like that infotainment system. I know you're not a fan of it. Um, Why am I, think- I not a fan of it, Sammy? What, what makes this infotainment system so different from, say, the, the Jeeps that we were talking about last week? So the infotainment system here is everything that has to do with the car, be it the infotainment, the climate control, the navigation, um, all the settings, they have to be accessed through the infotainment system. It's a vertical oriented, uh, a vertical setup, kind of like a portrait um, Facebook vo- video that you saw and you hated them and you wish that they just turned it horizontally. It's kind of like that. But um, it's, it's, it hides a lot of things in menus. Hot, tiny, tiny menus with the world's tiniest fonts. I feel like I need the large type version of the Volvo. What's it called? Census? Is that what it's called? Yeah. First of all, Census is creepy. Like, that makes me think <laughs> of an AI that wants to harvest me for some type of... It wants of, to read your, your emotions. Yeah, it wants to read my emotions so it can harvest those emotions and use them to power, I don't know, something that will destroy humanity. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's like I need the large type version of Census, and that makes me feel old, and I'm not quite that old yet, so... <laughs> I mean, come on, Volvo. Give me, give me some bigger fonts. I, I, can, um, I just have a hard time reading the screen while I'm driving, and I have a hard time using the screen while I'm driving because of that. I agree. Using it while driving is a bit um, is a bit problematic. I love the the sound system, man. The sound system is this like three bajillion dollar sound system from Bowers and Wilkins, and it has this really neat setting, um, which is called Gothenburg Concert Hall. Now, I've never been to the Gothenburg. Um, concert hall. Have they wouldn't let they wouldn't let you in if you showed up either. Why? I, they have they have standards, Sammy. Is that dress code? Something has to have standards in this world. <laughs> well, I I have an, an imagination on what it sounds like, and I think this car nails it. Um, so you have a it, fantasy of what a cathedral in a country that you've rarely visited sounds like, and Volvo has managed to tap into that fantasy with this sound system. Yeah, how would you? How do you think they did that? Do you think they did that through census? I think census harvested your dreams. Harvested <laughs> is the word that is totally appropriate when talking about census. I mean, that's all it does is it wants your desires. Your, you ever see the movie Event Horizon? No, but I'll go with it. I'll say I will just for the, for the sake yeah, of the conversation. Yeah, so it, it, basically a spaceship goes into a black hole and it comes back. And when it comes back, it's, it's haunted by demons. That's what census is. Yeah, okay. Except <laughs> in an SUV. And it's we, pro- it doesn't yeah. want to kill you. It just wants to harvest you. And and try to f- make your audio fantasies come true. It's a subtle distinction, but an important one, I think. Uh, in addition to that, um, it has other sound modes, which are also pretty cool, like a studio. Should I get to the rest of the car? So when you're when you're no wait when you're recording your latest hot track in in the XC60, you can just go from mode to mode and like when are we gonna see a video of millennials? recording some type of electro pop inside the XC60. Is that going to happen? Isn't that what carpool karaoke is all? Really? I don't know. I'm not, I don't watch that show. No, neither do I. <laughs> um, uh, pop culture. I, yeah, pop culture. Great. Um, what, can, what else can I say about this thing? Um, 
I wish I wish I didn't have the R design version of the car, which is a mid a mid tier sport focused version of the vehicle. Um, mainly because it turns the really pretty clean interior into just this drab um, interior covered with black leather, black plastics, and it just it changes the dynamics of this of the interior. AKA feeling. Sammy's Friday night. Black yeah. leather, black plastics, easy to wash surfaces. It's it seems like the census has really gotten into your dreams more than you'd like to admit. Yep. Um Hey, do you want to you want to take over with you want to take over? No, this is creeping me out. You're right. Um what, take the, over the thing, what, Sammy? I can't you, make the choices <laughs> that you've made go away. <laughs> They're there forever now. Um, it's no, like a brand. Let me, let me try. Let me get through at least one car without you ruining my all of my all of my secrets and census. There okay. are no secrets with census. There are no it harvest. It harvested them. Um, basically, in other trim versions of the XC60, you can get a, a really nice accented interior with like nice wood and and other materials in there and different colors. It just doesn't feel like a black hole of of emotion. Um, and it feels more luxurious in these other versions of the car. And the R design does not live up to that, to Volvo's standards of interior design. Um, and it's a shame. So speaking of interior design, I mean, compared to the X3, is okay. the Volvo interior nicer even in R design form? Because I've never really been impressed with the X3's interior. It feels very functional, but it doesn't feel very special. Let me, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. The Volvo has a lot of positives compared to the X3, especially in terms of interior design. Um, in fact, that's probably the only place I would say the Volvo really stands above this competitor. It's competitor in this way. Uh, I'll finish up. I had a version that cost a, just around $60,000 US. Um, Well-equipped. It had all of the safety features that were, that worked really well. Um, Mainly because they didn't scream in your face and let everybody in the car know that you were about to careen off a, cl a cliff or into the back of another vehicle. Uh, those are my favorite types of um, warning systems. They, the ones that gently tell you, hey, can you get back to driving properly, please? Can you please? You know what I'm talking about, Ben? Or do you I want totally know. Scream just, and alert? I totally know. Or do you want? Do you prefer the ones that just go like beep beep? No, I like the I like the safety danger Will Robinson. I like the the GM safety alert seat because that way no one else in the car knows that they almost just died. Like except just, for your except for you perk up a little bit when it vibrates your seat. No, I don't perk up. I settle in. Oh, I see. Um, and it had a really nice head-up display, which I, I'm a fan of. And what else can I say about this car? That's it. I had high hopes for this, um, the XC60. It's a very popular segment. It's in a very popular segment, um, and it's a, at a pretty decent price point and offers everything that I think customers will want. What the X3 that I had offers is everything in the world. Every what does that mean? thing you could ever think of in a crossover, it does. It goes above and beyond and in the weirdest ways possible. I had the X3, and not only that, I had the six-cylinder, it's called the M40i version of the X3. The M40i comes with a straight six that makes 355 horsepower and 369 pound-feet of torque. It does zero to 60 in four and a half seconds. It's no fast. one needs that. No one it's, needs this vehicle. I know. No one needs that. It's so fast. Oh, here's the great thing. It has an... <laughs> 
It has an M performance exhaust that sounds hilarious. It's popping and crackling and burbling. Uh, when you let off the throttle, it goes like that. Um, and every and every time you turn on this thing, it revs up to like 4,000 RPM, and it lets everybody know that you are now departing the parking lot. <laughs> and everyone immediately snaps their neck and looks at you. You need to have a thick skin when driving this car because people will be paying attention to you and all the dumb noises your car is making. But is it, but, is it fun to drive? Like, is it is all that noise and power useful? Or is it kind of like in a chassis where you're like, yeah, I don't really want to push this that hard? Okay, the chassis is, uh, I'm not trying to, I didn't drive it like a sports car. I didn't want to drive it like a sports car. It was fun to drive because of how fast it was. The steering is is worlds, worlds better than the, um, it's like an alternate dimension where steering exists uh, for, for driving for like a purpose. Um, BMW has designed a steering wheel that actually turns the car as you need it to, while Volvo just made this hilarious uh, thing while census harvests your intentions down the road. And perhaps one day your organs. Yes. Um, so it, I mean, we've always complained about BMW's driving field deteriorating over the years. In comparison to what Volvo has in their steer, in their steering, this is a this is a huge deal. This is like driving a, uh, an unassisted steering steering wheel. Well, it's funny you say that because the X3 has always been the most egregious like example yeah. in my mind of of BMW's electric power steering gone horribly wrong. Yeah. So in 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 a vacuum, I could I I, I usually agree with you on that on that case. But when comparing it to another vehicle in the segment, this car's got the steering all done, and the eight-speed transmission is so good too. It just snaps into gear. It's just so good. It's so quick and clever, and the way it downshifts and up upshifts, and the 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 exhaust note that goes along with it was so impressive. I loved driving this thing. It was truly. I thought it was going to be a joke. The first 30 minutes I had driving this car, I was embarrassed. I had, I was blushing. I said, I can't believe people are going to buy a car that makes this much noise. Can uh, you turn it off? Like, is it yeah. only make that noise in sport mode? Or so it has sport mode and sport plus mode. Um, and when you drive it in the comfort and the eco modes, it's notably more reserved. Um, However, no matter what mode you in, you're in, when you turn on and off the car, it still blips the throttle and makes a lot of noise. Fair enough. Um, so I, I thoroughly enjoyed this vehicle. However, it was $6,000 more expensive than the Volvo. And one of the places that the BMW really dropped the ball was interior design. On the plus side, our model had a gorgeous mocha brown interior. It was very nice extremely luxurious but the seats weren't the most comfortable and bmw want, i don't know what their intention was but they put every possible button and feature in this car um it's it's the the entire dash is covered in buttons so you say it has all these features what was the price tag of this car compared to the volvo i said it was six thousand dollars different so six thousand about 60 yeah the i said the volvo was 59 this is about 65 okay sorry i didn't hear that um, so it has all of these buttons on the center dash, um, for climate control and parking features and all, and, and your exhaust and your sport mode and your adaptive mode. And you have the little rotary, rotary knob for iDrive. This car also has the fragrance dispenser. It has oh, ambient, oh man, ambient lighting. It has that, those gimmicky gesture controls. Um, let's talk about the gesture controls. You know, I have I'm, nothing positive to say about I'm, them. Yeah, I have the only interesting thing to say about them. 
You twirl your finger in the air like this to change the the, the steering wheel. Uh, Sammy, I mean, they can't the they can't see you twirling your finger. You, you, you twirl the finger in the air like this, like you're like you're imitating the minute the the minute hand of a clock. You go like this. Um, <laughs> that's how you steer the Volvo, like that, with one finger in this yeah. motion, like this. And then with your other finger, you're reducing the volume on the BMW parked beside you at the light. It's insane. Also, it has that punk, that parking camera mode where it visualizes the the X3 as a 3D model in the in the display, and you can rotate this array of cameras around it to see what's going on around. So it's, like, it's like bullet time for parking. <laughs> exactly. It's 100% like that. And again, I think this is the most unnecessary feature. I know how to park a vehicle. I don't need. I can see what's happening right outside the car. I Listen don't need to it. to the big man who knows how to park a vehicle. <laughs> wow. Um, here's what it uh, it comes up a little short. It comes up a little short in those um, adaptive. I mean, sorry, not adaptive cruise. Um, those safety features that are loud and beeping and try to take control very aggressively. Actually, when you try to change lanes and the blind spot monitor is on, even if you you can clearly see that that area is is clear. Um, the car will physically try to stop you from doing that by their Why? Jerk, the steering blind wheel. spot or, or lane departure. Uh, blind spot. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Why, why would it, you do it that? Thinks I'm trying to, it thinks I'm changing lanes into a car next to me. Well, that's frustrating. But what was happening was I think the guy was coming up pretty quickly and I was basically about to cut him off. Wait, so this happened pretty, once? Uh, twice, I think. Okay. Um, I was basically, my lane was entering a, a load of traffic. Um, the lane next to it was not, so I would change lanes into that, um, into that more open. So what you're saying is you know how to park a car, but you don't know how to change lanes. That's, that's cutting, kind of how I'm... cutting somebody off. That's kind of how I'm feeling about this this uh, state of affairs. Okay, here's the best thing about the, the BMW X3. Bar none, the best thing that BMW has done, the turn signal. It locks into place when you push it down and you push it up which is something that the old X3 didn't do. It automatically center, like centered after every, every... It just went back to the center. Have you ever used a, a vehicle with these crappy turn signals? I don't remember. You know, the turn signal thing is, is just... That's more your department, so <laughs> I, I believe you. So it, it does this thing where... The old ones, you used to just push the, the stock up and it would just return back to the center while, the, while the, the indicator was still going off. Tick, 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 tick the whole time. And the only way you can turn it off was to complete a full turn where it turns it off or to nudge it, the, the, the stock, in a direction again. It was What so, if you twirl your finger in the air? Like, what didn't happens? do anything. Nothing happened. That's so, disappointing. At the end of the yeah, I know. At the end of the day, the Volvo was good. The BMW was, was more fun. And when you turned off all of those gimmicky features and you, and you ignore all those gimmicky features, provided a still very luxurious, well-buttoned-down, um, experience. The only thing I wish they can do in the next version is pare down the number of buttons and and busyness on the interior. Um, our car even had these little X's, like the letter X, etched into the door panel. Why? I, I don't. I don't. Oh, because it's an X3. Sorry, yeah. I didn't get that for a second. I was like X, like Professor Xavier edition, or. I don't know. Anyway, it was whatever. so weird. Yeah, it had these X's in the in, etched in the door, and I was like, that seems unnecessary. <laughs> like, I don't need all of these all over the. Place. It was so like, oh, X three, like this is what it's all about. Look at all of our X's everywhere. Um, 
I would. I don't know if I would recommend it, but it, I do think it was better than the Volvo in this case. Um, it was more fun. It left a more lasting impression on me and a more finished product in the end. So, uh, what about in terms of practicality? Like, are we looking at different back seats? Are we looking at different cargo? Are they the same? Okay, that's a great point. Um, the Volvo has more cargo space, about a cubic foot more cargo space with the rear seats up. But when they're down, the BMW gets almost 10 more cubic feet. It's huge. That is a big difference. Yeah. And there's more headroom, uh, I'm sorry, more legroom in the Volvo as well. So it's a very interesting change, um, a very interesting contrast. So I, I drove a vehicle that same week that is kind of a direct competitor to both of these vehicles and kind of not at the same time. Weird. Was, yeah. And it's, it's, it, <laughs> is it a wagon? No, it, it's actually a brand new SUV from uh, Land Rover called the Velar. And actually, the full name of the vehicle is the Land Rover Range Rover Velar, which is why it's not a direct competitor. And I'll, I'll, I'll make that more clear in a second. So this is kind of a weird vehicle that's positioned as being a midsizer, sort of. Mm -hmm. It's only a little bit smaller than the regular Range Rover. Do you mean and, the Range Rover Sport or the Range Rover? Sorry, the Range Rover Sport. Yeah, okay. which is the the next step up. It's and it's only a little bit wide. It's narrower, so it's it's dimensionally it's very similar to the Range Rover Sport. However, it's positioned as being below it. It sort of competes with the the Volvo and the BMW because the starting price is like fifty one thousand. Okay. But you could spend ninety thousand dollars on this vehicle if you want to. If you what? grab the the R Dynamic HSE, which is the 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 model I was driving. Wait, so hold the, up, wait, whoa, that's <laughs> nuts, that's wild. I had a fully loaded, I had two fully loaded versions of these cars that were 50, uh, sorry, 60 and $65,000. You oh. had a $90,000 version of this? Yeah, I had, my version was right up there. And you know what, if you want to split the difference, there are, my, so my version had the, the supercharged V6 that makes 380 horsepower. Nice. Um, actually, I can't remember the exact name of my model. It was something like P380R Dynamic. There's a, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff going on. No, but it's we we've discussed Land Rover's you know nomenclature recently. Uh, Land Rover is owned by the same company that owns Jaguar, so they're kind of going through a naming thing right now. But um, there's $75,000 versions of this vehicle that come with either a diesel or a turbocharged four-cylinder. So, I mean, you were driving an X3 that had a, a turbocharged straight six yeah. that is $15,000 cheaper than the Turbo 4 version or the Turbo Diesel version of the, the uh, Velar. Wow. Okay. But the Velar, that's because it's a Range Rover, and, and Range Rovers are supposed to be expensive. They're supposed to be really plush. This vehicle is very plush. It feels very plush. It's got a lot of... A lot of those materials inside that you touch them and you're like, oh man, this is this is nicer than the bed I sleep in. Um, but it's dynamically. I don't know. I sleep in a pretty nice bed, Ben. What, do you sleep in a race car? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So um, it does it does zero to sixty though in five point three seconds, which is like what like half second slower than the car you were driving. Yeah, than the X than the X3. Yeah, almost a full second slower. So again, it's 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 really it's it's not really a direct competitor, is it? It's kind of a, a tweener between the world of crazy high luxury where you don't care how much you're paying and the world of I'm buying this because I can't afford a Range Rover Sport. Like, it's, okay. it's, it's kind of strange. This is an interesting car. I really 
the, when I saw the Valar, I did not believe that it was a. I did not believe that it's it slotted below the Range Rover Sport design wise, interior and exterior design wise. It's beautiful. It should yeah. be the it should be the Halo product. It's so it, good. It looking. is a very good looking vehicle, and it gets a lot of attention because of that. Uh, and it also has the craziest infotainment system controls you're going to encounter in its segment. It's what got do you mean no, the craziest? It can't got, be worse than Senses, which is harvesting my dreams and memories. I'm not saying it's worse. I'm saying it's crazy. So you have this you have this touchscreen, mm-hmm. like you would on any other Jaguar or Land Rover. But then underneath that, there's an angled panel on the center console that is another touchscreen. And this touchscreen allows you to access any other vehicle functions. So... If you want to change, so this my vehicle came with the air suspension, which means you can jack it up to almost 10 inches of ground clearance, which Whoa. lets you go through more than two feet of water if you want to. Um, nice. It has multiple off-road driving modes. Uh, it has you know heated and cooled everything. It, the climate controls they're all based on this one screen, and every time you change from one type of control to another, you get a different background. So like cool. let's say that's cute. Yeah, so let's say you're like you what you put the car the the Velar in auto mode. It has shows like a big picture of the Velar looking all sexy and like tough and stuff in a desert. And then you choose to you choose like performance mode and it like you get another image of the Velar doing something even cooler and then there's like sand mode. It's just it's 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 really immersive as an experience. Instead of just clicking a button on the center console, you have this whole you know, this whole environment, visual environment that comes with it. Which is cool most of the time, except at night when it's super bright. <laughs> and, like, I found myself, like, I found myself changing away from, like, the regular screen to, like, the, the seating screen because it had the least number of lights. Like, it just had illuminated seats, and I could just see those. And, like, it's, it's in your line of sight, and it's kind of distracting. But I have to say, it looks super badass. Like, if you were... You know, if you were to look at a like the X3's interior and then look at the Velar's interior, you'd be like, okay, I know why I paid thirty thousand dollars more for this vehicle. Like, it really has that that premium feel because of this technology. I don't know how practical this is if you're wearing gloves in the winter. I don't know how practical this is if you just. One thing that was annoying to me was every time I got in, I wanted to turn on the heated seats, so I had to go into a sub menu on that center screen and find the yeah. heated seats, and then I had to turn them on. But then not only they, they turn on with a button, but there's two dials that are used. Um, in conjunction with the screen. And what the dials yeah. do, it changes depending on what you're doing with the screen. So when I was in the seat screen and I pushed the heated seats on, I'd have to twirl the dial to go between one and three. Those are the three settings for the seats. If I was um, in the, seat, the setting for the vehicle modes, if I turned the dial, it would change the vehicle modes. Uh, one of the dials would there's another dial for volume it, it's just and right? there's yeah and there's a second dial for your passenger seats there's a lot going on it's yeah. not a simple system it's designed to wow you and impress you it's not necessarily designed to be efficient you're going to see the same kind of system in the ipace when it comes out too okay so again we're having issues with interiors and and information and button overload in the x3 we have no buttons in the in the in the xc60 we have a combination of touchscreens and knobs in the um velar and none of these are the appropriate amount of whatever we need them to be no it feels like it's like an ex- too extreme in one direction for all three of these vehicles <laughs> uh, does it really feel like a ninety thousand dollar vehicle no no not, definitely not. not in terms of the way it drives it drives very nice. It's quick. Seating position is a little weird. Uh, I. It feels like a very high-end vehicle, but 90000 kind of feels like a stretch. It kind of feels like I would rather be in a Range Rover Sport. I, I, there's wow. nothing I disliked about the Velar. Um, 
this stylistically it's really great there's something else i noticed and i'm not the only one who's noticed this i had a lot of trouble keeping the windows defogged in the vehicle Hmm? um yeah the week i was driving it was fairly warm what do you mean so the week i drove the vehicle it was fairly warm during the day and cold at night and i would get in at night and this is a vehicle that has a heated windshield which means not only do you have the defroster blowing air on it but it has uh, wires embedded in the windshield that that keep it warm so that you can get rid of snow and ice and stuff. Those I those get, are those like little squiggly marks you see in the in the windshield that once you see them you can't unsee them. You can never unsee you them. Can, so, you'll never look at your car the same I way. I constantly had trouble feeling warm in the vehicle and trying to keep fog off the side windows and the front windows. It kind of felt like it was always a struggle. That's weird in a modern vehicle. And I checked out some other colleagues who had driven the same vehicle and they had similar problems. There were still foggy patches on the glass, even after driving for quite a while. Interesting. I've I've heard some other complaints with the Velar's infotainment system, actually. Something about the haptic feedback? I didn't notice any haptic feedback. I did notice that sometimes I would push a button and nothing would happen. And I wouldn't necessarily notice, so I'd have to check back and nothing had happened. And I got to push the button again, and hopefully it works this time. That happened a lot with driving modes. That's not not a $90,000 experience. (laughs) No. uh, You know, but I I don't want to trash talk the Velar because I did like it. And I think... (laughs) I think that it's it's trying to do a lot, and whenever a vehicle tries to do a lot, it's not going to get everything right. But it's hard, you know. You look at something like the Velar, and then you look at something like the F Pace from Jaguar, mm-hmm. which is sim- similar in terms of drivetrain and performance, but it's a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's hard to understand why you would buy the Velar except for style. It's and gorgeous. It truly it is, is gorgeous. The the the, the F pace looks good too, but yeah, it's kind of a different, different. They're like different looks. They yeah. are. It's a different level for the Velar, I think. So if you want to splurge on style, interior, exterior style, I get that, and you're not going to be disappointed with the vehicle. Uh, it's just it's it's a unique choice. I think that's kind of true of any Range Rover. I feel like the Range Rover line from Land Rover, it's very individual, and it's something that you know people who buy it know what they want. I don't think anyone casually buys these vehicles. Uh, it, it does feel like a huge step up over the Evoque. Okay. Which is which was the the and still is the most affordable entry point to the Range Rover brand. It's the Evoke's a vehicle I like. It's not very practical because it's small inside, especially in the cargo area. It's got that sloping roof. Yeah, uh, it's more of a, a you can get a convertible version. That's super practical. You can. It's you can put the anything in the it. Limit. It's very true. Uh, but it's 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 for two people. I think the the Evoke's great. But I think the Velar really raises the bar compared to the Evoke. If you were if you were to sit in these vehicles back to back. You would be surprised that they were the same family of vehicles, I think. So that's that's good in the sense that Range Rover is moving forward, and the Velar really represents, I think, where the brand is going. I can't wait to see what Range Rover does after delivering the the Velar. The Velar was so stylish, and and I felt it looked very luxurious. I mean, the interior was very nice. Um, the drivetrain, I think I I wasn't really wowed with the drivetrain, but it was good. It was perfectly serviceable, and there was a lot of options there for people. Um, I can't wait to see what they do with the Sport and the regular Range Rover um, following that. I believe they actually made a coupe version of the Range Rover recently, the standard Range Rover. Uh, They did, but I think it's only going to be built special order in a very small number. And it's like $250,000 or something like that. Yeah, it's a huge amount of money. (laughs) But that's not what I was expecting them to do, but they did it. Um, and remember, this is the company that made that dope car with uh, with Jamie Oliver. Um, <laughs> that is one of my favorites of all time. 
<laughs> I'm I'm really excited about this car. Um, it's a car that I want them to refine and make better, and I hope that they do. I hope they 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 nag all of they they nip all of these little nagging issues in the in in the bud. Um, I'm very excited to see what they what they come up with next, and whether or not all of those features that we're talking about, all the things that we like about the Velar, which is the styling, the um, the incredible amounts of, of technology, if that can get transported into an Evoke, um, and can also move up the line into the Sport and the Well, yeah, you, you have to wonder too. Like, is the Velar a death sentence for the Evoke? Is the Evoke on its way out? Because the Evoke is an older platform, I believe. It's definitely an older drivetrain. Or I, I actually, no, they, they have the Ingenium engines in there now. Yeah. Is that, have they made it over? So I, I don't know. Like, it, it becomes a question of. Is there room between Evoke and Range Rover Sport? It's gonna it's gonna depend on how well the Velar does, I think. Um, did the pop out door handles work for you every time? Yeah, they, I totally forgot to mention those. Yeah, they did work every time. Uh, I had to remember to lock the vehicle so they pop back in when I was photographing it. It's you have to do that with the uh, the Jaguar F Type as well. Otherwise, you end up with these little wings sticking out of yeah. the doors in every one of your photos. It, it, the hardest part of shooting the vehicle was the reflection because mine was like black. And it was like a, it was basically a piano mirror. Like I saw oh. absolutely everything. A very, um, a very glossy, uh, very glossy. Very, very that's glossy. That's very cool black. though. Sometimes that's very hard to find um, in the segment. Is that weird? Like how paints, like especially like black or white paints can change between. Um, no, I, you know, it's trendy, right? Like you can get BMWs super into their matte black paints right now. And then I guess Range Rover's gone to the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Would you recommend it over its competitors? What's its competitor? So I'm not sure I'm sold on like, it being on it being a an X3 competitor because I think it's a little too big. I don't know if it's too big though. I mean, it's not. Is it an X5 competitor? Because I to think. me, that's a Range Rover Sport. That's true. Because you can get three maybe rows in a Range Rover wrong. Sport. You yeah. can get three rows in a Range Rover Sport and in an X5. The X the third row in the X5 is not good. Is well, it's right? not good in the Range Rover Sport either. But okay. <laughs> the only reason, the only reason, it, so the reason you can get three rows in a Range Rover Sport versus the big Range Rover, the full size one that doesn't come with three rows at all, yeah. it, even though it's big enough to have three rows, is because Land Rover did some research years ago and discovered that people who were buying a uh, Range Rover, they typically had many other vehicles. Like it yeah. was one of 10 or one of five vehicles that they had. So if they needed more passenger room, they would just take another vehicle. But people who were buying Range Rover Sports, that was their do everything. That was the only vehicle they owned. So that's why they decided to give the Sport the third row. Okay, so maybe the Mercedes GLE, I think is a pretty good competitor. I think um, the GLE is the same size as an X5. I, I still don't. But the, if the X5 know. can have three rows, then the GLS would be the. This you know. Is, this is tough. So is it is it in, is it in between? If it's vehicle? a if it's a tweener, then it would be the. I don't know, man. Because like, look, does the does the Evoke directly oh, compete it with anything? Oh, those weird Lexus products. What are the name of the weird Lexus products that I don't know the names of? The LX what? or the GX? No, the no, the GX no, that's totally different. The GX is a is like a solid frame, sorry, um, a full frame four by four off road yes, type vehicle. So is the I don't, the other one too. What's it I mean, I guess the Velar goes off road, but in terms of yeah, the GX in terms of fit and finish, I don't think it's GX appropriate. Although maybe it starts at the same price, fifty two grand. Maybe there's yeah, but it, we've we've quickly seen how how high the Velar goes in price. Can you spend ninety grand on a on a GX? I don't Probably think you yes. can. <laughs> I, love I mean, it. I wouldn't advise it. Like, I don't know. 
I don't know what you get for a 90 grand GX. Like, do you get a second GX? Like, <laughs> I love that you can get a GX, a $50,000 GX with a V8. It only makes 300 horsepower. The GX is kind of like the truck that no one knows exists. I know. Like, do you know anyone who owns a GX? Because I don't. No, no, absolutely not. It's the Stealth Lexus. Like, it's, I mean, you think no one buys the LX. I see way more LXs than the GX. So we, so Range Rover made a car that has no comp- no real direct competitors. No direct competitors, which is fine. I mean, own your niche. Why not? Absolutely. I mean, there was no direct competitor to the Infiniti FX when it came out. Yeah, yeah. And I love that car. The Bionic Cheetah. Bionic Cheetah. Um, then what would you take over this this Range Rover? For more for the money, let's say just Range Rover like Sport. Money. I think I'd buy a Range Rover Sport. Really? Yeah, I even think though, you know, even though the design, interior and exterior design, I think is not as good as the Range Rover Sport. So look, a base Range Rover Sport is sixty-seven grand. Okay. It comes with three hundred and forty horsepower version of the V6 that's in the Velar. The Velar gets three hundred and eighty horsepower. Right. It's six hundred less, six hundred bucks less than a Velar with the v6 so at that point you start adding options and you could probably comparably spec a velar to a range rover sport as long as you stuck with the v6 as long as you didn't mm-hmm. go crazy and buy the v8 okay so i like the range rover sport a lot you can tow more with it it's a little bit bigger inside i think it has um i don't know more road presence it's definitely not as stylish as the velar but if I had to choose, I'm probably choosing the Sport. That's crazy. Um, I would. I really don't think Jaguar would like to have that kind of experience in their dealership where somebody is saying, would I take the brand new product or the old product? I don't think – but I think that people who are – like I said earlier, I think that people who are shopping Range Rovers aren't shopping on price. So I think that if they want the Velar, they're going to buy the Velar. I think it's a good idea to have both of those products at that point. Okay. I would also probably take an F-Pace. Well, that's weird. Why is that weird? Because an F-Pace is not a $90,000 car. Exactly. But you're asking what I would take. The F-Pace is very good. Um, sounds great, looks good. I'm not sold t- on the interior yet. I would take the F-Pace over your X3 or XC60. Your, well, that's interesting. That's Without very interesting. question. You need to drive the new X3. I don't know if you've driven the, this six-cylinder version because it is very interesting. But it doesn't look interesting. It's, That's it's true. Design-wise, it's dull. It's it's derivative. And the F-Pace looks great. The Velar looks great. The XC60 looked great. I yeah. mean, all three of those vehicles. There was a time when every crossover just sucked. Like the styling was super boring. <laughs> they were no, just bubbles. They were like they're super boring. And and the X3 harkens back to that time. It it has not advanced the styling in any meaningful way. It's the same with Audi. Audi with the the Q the Q5. It, it's not. The Q5 is not ugly, but it's not interesting. It's it's an idea that we've seen many many times, and it's tough when you look at like the the uh, the F-Pace and the XC60, two companies that have created something that looks different and doesn't just look different but looks good, and they're in a similar segment. I mean, come on, it raises the bar. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point, and I I really applaud that Jaguar Land Rover is really taking a design first approach to their to their lineup. It helps make them stand out more, and they've got the, they've now got the powertrains to keep up with it and technology in other places to really keep up with the rest of the segment. I, I think they've come a long way from what they used to be. Would you agree with me on that? I, I'm sure they're happy for your, to have your approval. I'm what sure that somewhere you... there is, 
Jaguar Land Rover executive right now is just flipping over with Joy, doing a cartwheel in the boardroom. They're like, Sammy Hadjassad says we're keeping up. Actually, hold up. Last week, didn't you tell me that you, or not last week, a couple of weeks ago, you told me that you were with Ian Collum, the designer of the, of uh, one of the lead designers of Jaguar, right? Yes, the lead designer. The lead designer. And who designed the XF? Yes. And probably the F the F type as well. I don't know about the F type, but maybe. Yeah, man, he's he's your he's your he's your buddy, man. He's he's up there with you. You gotta. <laughs> I, I don't know if I. He's probably he's probably. He's a up. very kind man who took the time to speak with me at length. That is the, that is the, our relationship, I think, and I am appreciative that he took that time. Well, Mr. Callum, I think you're, he's got some really nice cars coming along. Can I please have a free Range Rover Velar? Thank you very much. Wow. So now we've changed to the unnamed begging podcast. Um, Wait. You wouldn't know what to do with a Velar if you had it. Census already knows this anyways. Don't worry. Remember remember, uh, the new Terminator movie? What was it called? Genesis? Yeah. Where uh, the the crux of the plot... Spoiler alert. The crux of the plot of the film is that Skynet has disguised itself as an operating system called Genesis. (laughs) I think it's called Genesis. Anyway... People are super excited to get this operating system. Not, they're like counting down the hours and the minutes and the days to when it's going to be coming online. And it'll connect every part of their lives. And also, spoiler alert, it connects the military too, <laughs> which seemed like a good idea uh, at the time. I'm bringing up all of this because you could just replace census, Genesis with Census and you'd have an idea of what Volvo is doing with its infotainment uh, system. I love that you've ruined two movies in this podcast. Event Horizon... And Terminator, Terminator Genesis. I'm sorry, but if you if you need spoiler alerts for Event Horizon, which I believe came out in like 1998. <laughs> yeah, I'm still catching up, man. I just finished Jurassic Park, which was great. Uh, in sure fact, I've got to hit my I've got to hit my movie list, um, and now I have to go, Ben. So I would like to tell all of our listeners where they can listen to other episodes of the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. They want to have more fun like they did today. Well, they um, can go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, which I think is the best way to find past versions of the podcast and maybe see a picture of what Sammy Hajasad looks like so that if you encounter him on the street, you can change sides of the road. <laughs> or you can tell him all about what Census told, told you uh, about him. Uh, you can also find us on Google Play Music and iTunes. And we're working on some other integration as well, so keep an eye open. You just search for Unnamed Automotive Podcast in whatever client that you use, and I'm sure you'll find us. And if you still use Facebook, if you haven't deleted your Facebook account because everyone's doing that, including Elon Musk, you can find us there, Unnamed Automotive Podcast, on Facebook. You can also find us on Twitter. Sammy, where are we on Twitter? You can find Ben at Hunting Benjamin. That's actually his, his, his Twitter handle. Don't start hunting him. His Twitter handle is actually Hunting Benjamin. If you do bring it on, I am totally confident that I could <laughs> evade you. I am the ultimate prey. It is the most dangerous prey for sure. And you can find me at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing or like I'm laughing, like one of us is having a good time. Sammy, what are you doing next week? I am going to the New York Auto Show. What happens there? Um, I'm going to be driving, uh, not driving anything. I'm going to be <laughs> participating and taking a look at all the new cars. I'm going to be there with Jaguar Land Rover. They've got some very interesting things on the way, and... Maybe you could give them a pat on the back for being so awesome. I'll try. I'll see what I can do. I don't know if they like journalists touching them at all. Uh, What about you? What are you up to next week? Uh, I'm driving the Volkswagen Atlas and the Nissan Leaf, two brand new to me vehicles, so I'm interested in how those feel. 
Wicked. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. The Leaf in particular is a very um, important product because the second generation is a uh, re almost revolutionary product. All right, and thank you everyone for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you. Bye.